You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation, and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews, we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL, your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. It is time for another Silver and Black Today. That's right. We are back talking Raiders football. We are an Odyssey original podcast. You can also hear our show weekly Sundays at 5 a.m. Oh, yeah. 5 a.m. Pacific time in Las Vegas on The Bet in Las Vegas, an Odyssey radio station there as well. Thank you for joining me. I'm Scott Cabretta, your host, joined by my co-host, Mo Moten. Mo is the senior NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. You can catch him on the X. X, yes, it's the bird is gone. Twitter is dead. You catch him on the X at Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully. The show, S-N-B today. Mo, uh, it is time to get rolling with an update from camp. But, man, how was your weekend? I had a pretty relaxing weekend. I actually did my first fantasy football draft on Sunday. Whoa! Uh, my buddy, my buddy, and Kylie Gary Davenport has a league that he runs on a on a separate platform. So I got my first taste of how a mock draft, how a draft, I should say, could pan out. So I'm getting prepared for our league when it pops up mm. because Kelly Kreiner seems like he's ready. He got a package this past weekend, <laughs> so he's ready. I'm getting ready. Football's back. It's a mysterious shirt of some sort, which uh, you know will be funny. We just have to see see what that yes. is when it's when it's time to unroll. But more on that league coming soon, as we will we will have to draft as well. Uh, but I listen, man. I almost I almost lost a leg yesterday. You ready for this? Oh, okay. I, I'm officially on the NFI list. Just want everybody to know, I'm me and. And a couple Raiders are on that list, right? Tyree Wilson. You, Byron, Byron Young, Tyree Wilson. That's right. We went, <laughs> we went, we went to some boat races, right? Some of these hydroplane boat races. They're really actually cool. They're actually modified jet ski engine boats. They're really crazy. But anyway, so we had to stop. I had to get ice. I had to get all the stuff for the cooler because it's out, you know, at this lake. And I run in the store, I come back out. Well, we have, for those of you who are, who are sports dads, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I tell you about those collapsible wagons that you haul your stuff around. So I had it in the back. I opened the back of the, the, the van, my wife's car, and the thing falls out and just like diagonal angle right at my freaking sh- uh, shin and, and lower right leg. 
dude, I had a hematoma that was like as big as your mo- your head mo on my leg for a little bit there. Uh, man, it was rough. I see what happens when you what you do with your family when you have kids. It's just all this stuff happened. Now you might say, that, well, why- that, "Go ahead." Did you have to go to the ER for that, or were you? Were you no, first it was it, it so. was fine. It was just a bunch of lumps. I looked like the elephant man for like an hour and a half, and then and then after that, I was fine. But it just goes to show you that like things do shift. Remember when you flew and you put your stuff in the overhead and say, "Hey, items shift because." Of- I wasn't smart enough to realize that the items would shift, and I took it open. I was too excited to get my Modelo in the cooler, and the thing fell on me. So I'm glad to be back on the show where I can't get injured as long as these lights don't fall on me or something like that. But anyway, that's where we're at. Speaking of injury, we have we- to Do we have to add an addendum to your contract, Scott, so that if you re-injure your shin, yes. we can recoup some of the money? You might have to, but it goes to the discussion of, you know, so I, I get up and, and I was going to get home last night because we got home about six o'clock. I'm going to mow the, the front lawn, right? I had to mow the lawn. And my wife's like, no, you have, you're on the NFI list. I will mow the lawn. I was like, oh, that's nice. So that's you, good. And so that's what, just like Jimmy G, right? Now I'm comparing myself. You can't get angry if Jimmy G <laughs> takes a day off. Mo, we saw Jimmy G take off uh, one of the days this week. He's going to take off a couple days here and there. A lot of fans, you know, we had people, and again, I, I don't mention, we don't we don't attack people on this show like other shows do, but I will tell you, there were content creators that were out there saying that Jimmy G has a secret injury, and there were people, I mean, it's like, no, dude, it's just called easing him back in from the injury he already had, and oh, by the way, look what happened to Joe Burrow in Cincinnati just with a calf injury. Is that what you want to happen to your quarterback? I don't understand people's lack of understanding of the fact that as a veteran, you don't need to go out there and play. Yes, he's new. Yes, the system, he's relearning the system, although he's probably got it down pretty good. But all of this, guys, you want your veterans to take some time off during camp. It's not like they're rookies trying to make the roster as an undrafted free agent. Okay, two things here. First of all, if you've listened to Josh McDaniels at any point this offseason, or recently over the past week, he already said that Jimmy Garoppolo, we're going to ramp him up. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's coming off of injury, so he kind of already hinted that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to have some planned off days. I, we've said it on the show over the past two weeks. We expect Jimmy G to have some down days where he's not as active or he has maybe light activity because he's coming off of injury, and Josh McDaniel said that they treat all players coming off injury the same way. I'm sure Tyree Wilson, when he's back on the field, may have some rest days as well. Even though he's young, it's the fact that you don't want that player to re-injure whatever body part uh, was on the men. So, one, if you listen to Josh McDaniels, you knew this was coming. Two, we all know Jimmy Garoppolo's injury history. So, <laughs> yes, with Jimmy Garoppolo, there's an increased chance of him just hurting something else, not just his foot, but anything. So, you right. don't you want to be careful with him. Signing him to this deal, that comes with the territory of signing Jimmy G. When you sign Jimmy G, you're going to have to be careful with him because I don't want to call him fragile, but he's injury prone. Don't call him fragile, but he's fragile. <laughs> no, but he is injury prone. I mean, there's no there's no denying that, right? And by the way, coming up after the break, our good friend Jason Fitz will join us. We'll get his take on all of this as well. But yes, I mean, listen, for those of you who are saying, well, and, and for those of you who agree with us and saying that we're skeptical of the signing because of his injury history, 
Don't complain when he's got days off. Look, let him ease into it. There's no problem. You want him to get to week one. He needs to get to week one for his contract and all the guarantees to pop in, by the way. Um, and so, so let's look at that. And remember, training camp, I still think for those of us who have the gray hairs here in our beard, I know you don't have any yet, Mo, but those of us oh, who remember yeah. training camp or taught from, from past shows going back several years when Phil Villapiano and Cliff Branch were on this show and talking about how camp, the two-a-days, they just don't do that anymore, right? With the money involved, with the way the game has changed, you don't have that. So when we think of training camp, training camp really is light workouts. I mean, remember, they don't even have pads on yet, Mo, and people, and I'll get to it in a minute when we talk about players that are doing well, players that are not, People already have yellow jackets for some of these guys who are just playing well and running around nicely in camp. Camp now is not really an indicator until you get late into camp when they start playing, when they start actually hitting and you get a little more indication of where guys are at. You still don't know. It's just light workouts. Right. It's light workouts. What I will say is that it's encouraging that football's back, right? So any bit of football no footage and any bit of football news is exciting. I've been talking about Ja'Cory and Bennett all over Twitter over the past few weeks. But in my tweets, I've also said I understand the pads. They haven't played with – they haven't practiced with pads yet. Pads come on this week, so we'll see how that translates. But for players who consistently show out or turn heads at training camp, it's encouraging. But always understand – that there are levels to this. Mm -hmm. There's practicing with, with, you know, shorts and a t-shirt. There's practicing with pads. There's preseason. There's regular season. So every step of the way, you want to see certain players flash. So far, so good for some guys who we'll talk about. We haven't heard much about other guys. Of course, not the ones who are on uh, an injured list. But, again, just understand where we are in the offseason right now. Pads haven't come into play yet. Right. So let's jump into that a little bit. Um, we've seen a lot of coverage of Hunter Renfro. People say he's done that. He's done an interview. He's talked to the press. He's talked about how last year was disappointing for him and everything that happened there. And so so that's good news. It also does not surprise me because, number one, he's a good little player. There's there's no question. Secondarily, the team and, and Mo, I know people are going to want to dismiss what I say right here. But the team wants good coverage of him because if they do have any inkling of interest and interest in dealing him, the better the press, the better for everybody, right? You're playing up your asset. There's no difference between Hunter Renfro and the other player. You want them to be viewed externally as an asset so that if you need to sell, I'm not saying they're going to, but if they do decide to, the last thing you want them is, is to look terrible in camp, right? So I think that's where this grain of salt comes in. But but Hunter Renfro being forthcoming about his year last year was good too. Uh, number one for the players' recognition so that he can get better. But number two, it also helps the Raiders if there ends up being because of injury or whatever a market for Hunter Renfro out there with other teams. Right. So if you if you're familiar with me and my analysis, you know that I've been saying all along that I think the Raiders are going to trade Hunter Renfro. I could be wrong. I'm going to parents say I could be wrong. Maybe they do keep him. But if he does stay, just understand that his numbers aren't going to look anything like his Pro Bowl year. We hit over a thousand yards. He was basically the top option in the office mm -hmm. because Waller was hurt. Uh, you got to understand they they did add competition there. Now, could he still get traded? Possibly. Uh, we have a long way to go still until week <laughs> one. 
But as you said, if, if they had any idea of trading him, of course they're going to say we're excited about his season. They got to pump him up because he's coming off of an injury riddled down year where he, he was hurt for a lot of the year, didn't have much production. So that's not appealing on the trade market, a guy coming off essentially his worst season. Right. So you have to make it seem like, well, we're all in on Hunter Renfro, still a good player. All of that all other stuff that you have to say publicly to make sure teams don't say, well, get a down year. Why would we be interested in trading him? Because remember, Tashawn Reed of The Athletic reported that there were no real offers for Hunter Renfro. There's no real trade. There were no real trade suitors for him about a month ago. And that's yeah. not a surprise considering his contract combined, combined with the lack of production he had. So usually teams that even if they want to trade a player, they're going to say positive things about him in public. And that's what the Raiders are doing right now. Absolutely. Also, uh, let's go back to Jimmy G because we've heard good things, right? Good things, good things about Jimmy G throwing the ball around. Mm -hmm. But people are surprised, and I don't understand this, Mo, because you and I have talked about it a lot. I think you were the first one to bring it up when they signed him, which was Jimmy G is not a deep guy. He is not like you want to compare. People are going to compare him to Derek Carl season long. Just get used to it. When it compares to Derek Carr throwing a deep ball, Jimmy G's not that guy. He's the guy who distributes the ball underneath short, medium routes, okay? So even some journalists who cover the team were like, wow, he didn't look good deep. It's like he never has. And now we're going to talk about it at the end of the show. We're going to have a guest on uh, coming up on our next show to talk specifically about Jimmy G because he covered him. But I'm just blown away that people – are surprised by this because we knew this going in. We've been talking about it since they signed Jimmy G back in March. Right. Fans and fans and reporters are knowledgeable people. A lot of them, a lot of they them are. I follow Absolutely. on social media, but I don't, I don't like to assume that everyone has watched every team because some Raider, some Raider fans just watch the Raiders. And mm. I understand that you're not interested in the 49ers or the saints or whoever you just want to watch the Raiders. The same thing with reporters. They have a job to do. They cover a specific team. They're not caring about what the 49ers are doing or what the Saints are doing or the Jets are doing. So I get it. So I don't I don't come out there and, and, and act like I'm all knowing and say, you should know this information. But I, I found it weird that I was kind of attacked on Twitter this past weekend when I said <laughs> Jimmy G never had a deep ball. I, I think Vic posted a, a tweet or X saying that Jimmy G just didn't have the deep ball today, maybe because he's a bit rusty. And I quote tweeted Vic and I said, yeah. The, the long ball for Jimmy G is never coming because he never had it. Right. But fortunately for Jimmy G, he doesn't need the long ball and Josh McDaniels' offense because it's not predicated on going deep. Mm -hmm. uh, he can he can flourish even just, as you said, throwing the short to intermediate passes, and that's what Jimmy G does. He excels throwing to the middle of the field, throwing to his tight end and wide receivers crossing across the middle. That's what Jimmy D G does. And with that tweet, Fans came at me saying, how do you know he doesn't have a deep ball? He can throw the ball <laughs> deep. And I'm not saying that Jimmy G cannot throw the ball deep because people kept showing me this video of, of Jimmy G throwing his dad pass to, to Devontae Adams. It was this slow long ball yeah. with no defense and no pressure at all. Yeah, anybody right. can throw that type of pass when there's no pressure on you. Exactly. But what I'm saying is during the regular season games when there's a live defense and an offensive line, there's pressure and there's this and there's that. Jimmy G is not going to stretch the defense. He's not someone where you sit in defensive meeting rooms and you say, we got to watch out for the long ball. Jimmy G can go over the top. That's not what you talk about with Jimmy G. It's covering the middle of the field. And a lot of fans will say, well, yeah, he overthrew Emmanuel Sanders in that Super Bowl game against the Chiefs. And it's like, yeah, he has the arm. He can throw long, 
But mm-hmm. that is not what he does during a regular season game on a regular consistent basis. You don't see Jimmy G overthrow guys on a consistent basis. The reason the 49ers traded – part of the reason the 49ers traded up and got Trey Lance, and, I, and I've read this a lot, Trey Lance's first offseason of the 49ers, the one thing that reporters and fans kept harping on is Trey Lance can stretch the field and use Brandon Nayuk's deep speed because Jimmy Garoppolo hadn't been able to do that. And we'll bring on our guest on our next show, and he'll talk about that even further. But – Let's just say, I'm not saying Jimmy G, because he can't throw the ball deep or doesn't throw the ball deep consistently, the Raiders' offense is going to suck. What I'm saying is, don't expect a lot of bombs away passes from Jimmy G this upcoming season. If that's what you're thinking you're going to get with Devontae Adams, even though Devontae Adams can't get those balls deep, don't expect a lot of that. No, and it, and it's and again, I'm going to use a baseball reference since we're in baseball season, but remember Greg Maddox, great Hall of Fame pitcher. Greg Maddox did not throw the ball fast. So I'm going to equate a fastball here and speed uh, with a long ball in football, okay, which is you could still win. You do things differently. He was all about location and spotting the ball. Jimmy G, it's not that he can't throw a 30-yard pass here and there, especially if there's right. broken coverage and nobody covering the receiver downfield. But you exactly. just have to know your player's strengths and weaknesses. All players have them, okay? Uh, and and the biggest criticism we've had of Jimmy G before he stepped on the field was his injury record. So it has nothing to do with that. But to your point, the other couple players that I wanted to mention, one was Michael Mayer, not surprised. Again, nobody's in pads, nobody's hitting, nobody's actually competing against defenses here. So take that with a grain of salt. The other was Zamir White, which is actually another story because with the situation with Josh Jacobs, Mo. They need Zamir White to to take that next step fast, give him more opportunities, which he will have in the preseason, clearly, and in camp. Uh, but good to hear some information trickle out of him that he's in good shape, that he's focused, and and running around Henderson, uh, looking like a guy who might might be ready to take that next step up in the NFL. I'll be honest. I'm excited about two players, one on each side of the ball. One, as many fans know, is Jacorian Bennett. I've been excited for him ever since the Raiders drafted him, simply because I th- I just thought he was overshadowed at Maryland, and I think that he's going to have a pretty good year if he is able to get on the field and start. Vinny Bonsignor said that he could see Marcus Peters and Jacorian Bennett being on the outside and Nahas being in the slot, and that's my ideal personnel grouping for the Raiders' uh, cornerback group. On the other side of the ball, it's Michael Mayer. I had a, I had a Raiders reporter. I won't say who it is. Uh, slide into my DMs and saying, Michael Mayer looks the part. He looks ready to go. And this is a person who's who's been attending practices. Again, no pads yet. But he's saying, look, if a player is going to have a, a, an impressive rookie year among the Raiders uh, class, 2023 class, it's going to be Michael Mayer. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, I mean, listen, again, where, what he did in college, what he did even though his combine wasn't, and that's a little bit why he got hurt in the draft, it was a, a player that the Raiders were fortunate to get where they got. Mo, anybody, anything else coming out of camp that concerns you, excites you, based on uh, what we're hearing from uh, the folks on the ground? Not necessarily anything that concerns me or, or excites me is the fact that, and I wrote a piece about this on Sportsnot, it's the fact that the Raiders are not going to have to depend on their veterans for progress along the defensive line because a couple of their young guys are now are now on the on an injured list. Uh yeah. Tyree Wilson is hurt. Uh Neil Farrell Jr. is hurt. 
Byron Young is hurt. None of those guys are practicing. And a lot of people were excited to see the young defensive line because they want to see more pressure on the quarterback. Mm -hmm. They want to see better run stopping. And you were going to get that hopefully from the young guys coming in. But, you know, Farrell's second year is now on hold. Tyree Wilson's debut is on hold. Byron Young's debut is on hold. So now you're depending on guys like Jerry Tillery, Bilal Nichols, Slim Chandler Jones, Kyle Pecco, maybe Adam Butler. You're you're depending on those guys to yeah. <clears throat> give you a little more than they did the previous year to give you that progress along the defensive line because your young guys aren't ready to go yet. Yeah, no question. And it's interesting because you have that situation and you start to see teams, and we talked about it, remember, not just with the Renfro opportunity for perhaps a trade, but for the Raiders themselves, as injuries start to happen teams look around and see who's available. So you'll start to see some uh, waiver wire activity or not waiver wire, but wire activity uh, around this team and everybody else as well. I mean, you saw the Bengals with Joe Burrow go out, they go out and sign a quarterback. Everybody's looking for bodies when it comes to camp uh, to, to, to shore up that roster for the preseason and, and to get full workouts in. So we'll see what happens with, uh, with that. We'll talk a little bit of too about um the fan reaction overall to the Raiders this year. We're going to talk in the second segment, as I mentioned, Jason Fitz, formerly of ESPN, unfortunately, but he's doing well. We're going to talk to Jason about what's happening with the Raiders overall. And then in the third segment on today's show, we're going to talk about sort of a piece I wrote on Raider Ramble. And we, we Mo just kind of mentioned the way fans are going back and forth with one another about this team and about how things are happening really interesting in, in the correlation between sports and the rest of what we're going through in society. And we, we don't talk politics on the show, God forbid, but, but it's football starting to resemble that as far as the polarization goes. So we're going to talk about that in the third segment when uh, Mo and I come back. But when we come back from this break here on Silver and Black today, we're going to be joined by Jason Fitz. Always looking forward to those conversations. Also, a reminder, if you don't already subscribe to the show, make sure you hit subscription and the auto download wherever you get your audio. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit, hit subscribe and the notifications bell too. All right. We appreciate it. We're coming back right after this break. Jason Fitz, don't go anywhere. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Silver and Black today. Odyssey Original Podcast also heard on The Bet in Las Vegas. And speaking of Las Vegas, a native son now joins us. Jason Fitz joins Mo and I here on the show. Jason, how you doing, man? You enjoying your summer so far? Yeah, I'm doing great. And by the way, I always love it when you guys uh, reach out in general because I love your work. So it's fun to come uh, on with guys that, you know, I consume it and I think you guys do a great job. So, you know, honored to be able to hang out with you. Well, I appreciate that very much, uh, Jason. And, and likewise, that's why we like having you come on because you always give the fans unfiltered. And you're a fan, too. You're a Raider fan. I think that's why folks, whenever we have you on the show, love having you here because they hear it from you, but they also get the the elixir of truth which sometimes is is hard to get for them in other places so <laughs> let's get started we're in camp uh and we're seeing a lot i don't know if you're seeing it too with the people you interact with in raider nation jason but we're seeing people a lot of people very negative about this team going in including including some in the national media who are looking at it objectively and saying hey look this is a bottom six or eight team in the nfl when you look at the Raiders, what they were able to do in the offseason, the Josh Jacobs situation obviously plays into that. But what's your feeling as this team's rolled into camp and gotten through a week of it thus far? So when I look at any team, and I don't care what team we're talking about, but we'll, we'll go with the Raiders. When I look at this team, I don't look at any team for one year. I like to look at teams over a two- or three-year period to figure out where they're going to be this year, which is why most of the time I've done a pretty good job of figuring out where the Raiders are. I was wrong last year. I thought they were going to be a much better team. I think a lot of us were. But I look at last year and say, man, freakishly unlucky. I look at the year before and say, freakishly lucky. So now that that is all sort of normalized, you've had a year where you won a bunch of games on a walk-off, uh, and now you've had a bunch of games that you lost double-digit leads. Like, I'll never forget just sitting in my house in darkness and silence with the TV off for an hour after the Arizona loss, just sitting. I didn't even talk to my dog for an hour, right? Like, we all remember that. I think last year's team was better than its record. The year before was worse than its record. So where does this team normalize? I mean, realistically, when you're in with the Chiefs and the Chargers, in my mind, you're probably the third best team in your division. How does that shape up? Like, I, I think this year's Raiders team is going to take a step towards where we thought they were going to be last year. But it's just in this year's AFC, I think it's almost impossible to be a 10-win team unless you're really stinking good. So I think the Raiders are in a stepping mode. I don't necessarily think they're going to be a 10-win team uh, but I think they have a real shot at being like right around that, that 500. 500 doesn't exist, but we know where that, 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 you know, that seven, eight, nine wins. I think that feels pretty, pretty right for where they could come into this year. So you're right where I am, Jason, with this team. I think they 
can hover around 500 if Jimmy G stays healthy. Of course, every Raider conversation with their record goes back to if Jimmy G can stay healthy, right? So that was your analyst hat. So put on your fan hat for a minute. And I just want to know, what is your excitement for this team? Because a lot of Raider fans come to me and say, well, I'm a Raider fan. I'm not jumping ship, but I'm just not excited. Jimmy G doesn't excite me. Josh McDaniels doesn't excite me. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. Yes, we have Devontae Adams, but I question the direction of this team. As a fan of the team, how do you feel about the Raiders this year? The only thing I'd say about Jimmy G, and I got to be careful. Like, look, Raider Nation at this point is sort of like <laughs> dating your ex, and now all of a sudden you're just like creeping on their Facebook page all the time. Like, you got the Derek Carr people that are like out there, and I love me some DC. I love the way he played, but they're out there looking. They're like, how's it going with the new one? Is he posting pictures? Like, are they in love? Like, for all that, like, I, I'm going to be one of those that stands up today and says, hey, I'm going to take the same stance I always took with players. As uh, people have asked me my whole life, who's your favorite Raider player? And my answer to that has always been consistent. I don't have one because as much as I loved watching a lot of these players, I'm the first to admit that if they went to play for the Broncos, I would cheer against them. If they went to play for the Chiefs, I would cheer against them. So no one player has ever defined the Raiders for me. I think this is hard because Derek Carr defined a generation. But I would remind everybody what it felt like when one Rich Cannon was acquired by the Raiders. Nobody cared. Nobody. Nobody was sitting there saying, you know what? We are going to win the West because we have the Rich Cannon. And it turned out <laughs> to be the perfect marriage between player and coach. And it brought out some of the best years of my adult life as a Raiders fan. So if I put my fan hat on, I would remind everybody that Jimmy G in the red zone is far better than Derek Carr or any Raiders quarterback we've seen in a long time, right? Like red zone has been an issue. Maybe that gets solved. Jimmy G has been smart and efficient with the football. His turnover ratio has been very good. And he was one quarter away from beating Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Not his fault the 49ers melted down in the fourth quarter. Not his fault that the play calling was less than ideal. So I think you could, you know, sort of uh, put a lipstick on a lipstick on this whole thing and say, look, Jimmy G, I think the realistic thing here is that this is perfect for the Raiders for one reason. The quarterback of the future was not attainable for the Raiders mm. in this year's draft. And the worst thing you can do is overdraft for a quarter. If you just take a guy because you got the seventh pick and you're desperate for him, man, everybody in that building's got to be willing to get fired for that guy. Everybody in that building's got to be willing to set your franchise back three to five years for that guy. That didn't exist in this year's draft. I was covering the draft for ESPN. When the Raiders got to their pick, my buddies asked me, what do you want? And I said, anything but a quarterback because the right quarterback <laughs> was no longer available. So if you're the Raiders, you got to tread water at the quarterback position while you build the rest of the roster up. They got arguably the best edge rusher in this entire draft. They got the best tight end in this entire draft. They got a corner that we all are in love with at this point. But as it went down, my buddy that knows the Maryland program well, just he texted me and said, you got a day one starter. If this Raiders team this year can get three or four impact guys out of this year's draft, watch out. Because we all know that you mentioned Devontae, Josh, Max. These are guys playing at the highest of the highest level. If you add three or four young building pieces to it out of this year's draft, home run. Now next year we're competitive. I, as a fan, that's where I think things go. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at that defense. I mean, you mentioned uh, some of the draft picks and whatnot. And that's, I think, a lot of folks are looking at the offense. Jimmy G, they're focused on that. They're focused, of course, on the absence of Josh Jacobs, which we've talked ad nauseum here on the show about. And that's going to either resolve itself uh, and he shows up or it doesn't. And then we'll see where that goes. 
But that defense, Fitz, when you look at the si- that side of the ball, what they've been able to do, Tyree Wilson will have to ease him in, right, because of the injury. We'll see what he does there. Still a black hole at linebacker. Improvements on the back end. When you look at the defense, I think the offense will be fine overall, again, if Jimmy G's healthy. Uh, but other than that, this defense, to me, is going to be under the spotlight, and we're going to have to see – if those young players can step up and make a huge difference in year one to help this team at least get to where its maximum potential can lead it. Yeah, and I mean, how many years in a row have we been saying this defense? If they could just be a top (laughs) half of the NFL defense, right? I I think a couple of things play into this. One, continuity does matter in this system because it's complicated. And, you know, how many times did people tweet me last year and they'd say, hey, if it's if if the offense and defense is so complicated, then simplify it for the players. I wish we lived in that world, but let's remember the greatest of the great coaches in the NFL have the same type of ego that the greatest of the great players have. And they have an ego. We we say that as a bad word. I don't. They deservedly have confidence in their systems and their processes, right? So in my mind, I'm looking at the Raiders and saying one thing we have to accomplish is some level of continuity because this is a complicated defense to learn. So then when you bring pieces in, where do they fit? How do they fit? If you look last year, there were flashes. I would say that Tillery gave us flashes when he came over that he can actually be a mainstay in the middle of this defense. Divine Diablo is somebody that, again, I'll go back to the day he was drafted. Uh, one, One person that worked with the senior bowl and knows prospects well said, man, if the team will be patient enough to give him three years, he can be a guy in this league. And now we see going into year three, that's the expectation if he can stay healthy. I think there are players that have flashed. They got to put it together. But realistically, Chandler Jones, I'll also say, we all know was the disappointment last year. But if the Raiders can either figure out, figure out better pass rush consistently or figure out a way to bolster the secondary a little bit, either is going to help either immensely. When you are facing Patrick Mahomes, when you are facing Justin Herbert, the reason these guys get the money they get is they're the best of the best. They're going to get theirs. But if the Raiders can just slow that down and importantly turn seven into three in the red zone area, this defense takes a massive step forward. So I think the rotation and defensive line needs to be figured out. I'm not as worried about linebacker because I think it's an antiquated position in the modern NFL. But man, that secondary safety's got to come together. Corners got to figure that room out like it. it they've got to get work done quickly to be able to be the team that they want to be. Well, we can't let you out of here, Jason Fitz, without addressing the elephant in the room that is Josh Jacobs' absence. Just going to actually be financial advisor, Jason Fitz, right now. <laughs> you had a you had a pretty good clip out there about the quarterback contracts, about teams being 50-50, winning with and without a quarterback on a new deal. So I just want to get your comments on the running back market and Josh Jacobs and his situation. It's kind of polarizing. Some of our fans say, don't pay him. It's the running, it's, you know, running backs aren't as important as you think. You don't need a running back, a top running back to win a Super Bowl or win a lot of games. And there are some people out there saying, look, he earned it, just won the rushing title, been good before the rushing title, pay the man. What do you think is going to happen with this Josh Jacobs situation? And how would you have handled this Josh Jacobs situation from the Raiders' perspective? Uh, By the way, both sides are right, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you look at the empirical data, you don't need to have a great running back. And, And frankly, as much as we want to talk about one player on this Raiders team, This is a very painful reminder to everybody. Max Crosby ascended last year. Devontae Adams had a better year without uh, Aaron Rodgers than he had with him, right? And Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing. And for that, the Raiders got six wins, right? Like this is that painful reminder that in the AFC that we exist in right now, one to 53, you got to be better. 
So if you're the Raiders, what you cannot do is mortgage the future for one position. And I think that's kind of across the board right now. Like that's why they're trying to infuse young while they figure out how to get enough players to then figure out how to keep all of it together. Like it's a whole building process. If I was in the Raiders organization, I would be looking at Josh saying, I love the human being. I love the player. I love everything about it, but I just can't justify a huge multi-year guaranteed deal for a running back when that's just not the way business is done. And it's, it's unfortunate. I love Josh Jacobs. He's one of my favorite Raider players to have watched. And I think he makes the team better. Here's where it becomes really interesting. If he sits out a game or two, let's remember in the NFL, they're paid week to week, right? So $10 million, he would give up literally one seventeenth of 10 million. So whatever that is, seven, $800,000 just to not show up. If he does that, here's what becomes staggering. This is the risk reward for the Raiders and the next level in this. If Zamir White comes out and is the guy they thought he could be and runs great against this uh, behind this offensive line that last year may have gotten a lot of help from Josh, Jay, right? If if White comes out and is great, then the Raiders are only going to double down even more and say, hey, good. If he comes out and he can't get any run game going and there's nothing there and they realize that it really wasn't the ascension of the offensive line. It was the play of one Josh Jacobs that made the offensive line look better. Now Josh has an even bigger bargaining chip. The problem is time is just going to keep ticking and ticking and ticking on this. And so if you're Josh, you got to stand for what you believe in. Like if you don't need the money, then don't. I, I always go back to a buddy of mine that's country music star. And he put out a single not too long ago. And I was sitting on his tour bus and I was like, hey, man, are you excited about the single? And he said, genuinely, I don't really care. Because at this point, I'm just putting out the music I like. And if the world doesn't like it, radio doesn't like it, nobody wants to play it, I'll just quit. I got more money than I can ever spend in my entire life. <laughs> I think sometimes about that with guys like Josh. While, of course, there are NFL players that are out there making hundreds of millions of dollars, I don't know his bank account. If he's looking around saying, man, I don't really have to take this beating, then absolutely, he might just stick to his guns. The other part of it is if he does stick to his guns, it's not like there's this huge market out there to overpay Josh Jacobs, right? So he's sort of, I mean, unfortunately, it's, he's like damned if you do and damned if you don't. Like he's stuck and the Raiders have to stick to their principles in building a team. So it's it's awkward. It's terrible. I hate it. But I don't think it. I don't think there's a resolution for Josh. The only way he plays is if the Raiders uh, essentially get him to relent and he comes in and he just says is what it is and takes the Saquon type deal. Yeah, and, and I like what you said because we've been saying the same thing uh, here on the show, Jason, which is the idea that both sides can be right. You don't fault Josh Jacobs for yep. doing what he needs to do to provide for him and his family and for his career, do what's best for his career. And then the Raiders don't want to get in a position where they overpay a guy based on the market, right? Not based on the fact that he's a great player and a good kid and all that stuff. And I think for fans, it's really hard because they end up losing because they just want to see their guy out there. Uh, and they got their their number eight jersey now since he switched, and people have already done that. And they just want to see their guy on the field, uh, so they get caught a little bit in the middle. It's hard to understand uh, overall that. But uh, say the last thing I wanted to ask you about was one of the things going into this season. And I think I've been saying all along it comes down to just winning and developing momentum. A lot of talk, especially national, amongst colleagues of yours at ESPN formerly and others, which is this idea that the Raiders don't have any sort of home field advantage. Raider Nation shows up everywhere the Raiders play, but with the Las Vegas equation, with the, the idea that everybody wants to come to Las Vegas to see their team play, I contend, Fitz, that... They just need to win. If they win, Raider fans aren't going to give up tickets. They're not going to sell their tickets. You with me on that one? Yeah, I mean, I'll go back to my Nashville experience. I lived in Nashville for 20-plus years. 
when the Titans were great, when they first opened that stadium, the Titans went to the Super Bowl their first year. Everybody in Nashville that had no experience around the NFL thought that was normal, right? You couldn't get a ticket. They ran this town. Then all of a sudden, the Titans just got really bad for a long time. And now what happens? Well, if you're a Vikings fan or a Browns fan and you're picking your away game, you go to Nashville. How many times Raider Nation has taken over that stadium? Taylor Lewan mm. famously after the Raiders game talked about how angry he was that locals weren't showing up. So, you know why? Because when you're in a great tourist city, this is sort of what happens. You've got to win and win consistently to be able to fill the room. It's no different than the Vegas shows that are taking place down on the strip. You've got to put on a great show because there's competition for your money every single night. The Golden Knights are such a great. And I went to I went to the Stanley Cup final with the Golden Knights and I watched that and it's such a wild incredible experience. Vegas will will pop for for the Raiders when the Raiders win, when they win mm -hmm. big. Until then, I'll be very honest, I was on the season ticket waiting list. Uh, but the day they went on sale for Vegas, and knowing I live in Connecticut, I put myself on the season ticket waiting list. And because of the way they went through the process, I didn't get the call till the very end. And they were very expensive. I couldn't afford them, right? Like the only ones left were the best of the best. I chose not to take that deal. But the funny thing is the, the person on the phone that called me said, think of it this way. If you just sell the big games you don't want to go to, you will make these PSL tickets back. Like that was part of the that sales selling pitch. point. Yeah. So, so to that, I say to everybody, the Raiders knew this was going to happen. Vegas mm -hmm. knew this was going to happen. The solution is to win, not once, not twice, not three times. The solution is to build what Kansas City has built. The solution is to put yourself where the Chargers are, where every year they're in the playoffs conversation. That is across the board, the solution to fixing any attendance issue. In the meantime, it is a beautiful stadium and it is a beautiful facility and players do want to go out there because of the facilities that they have to work out with and because of the tax situation and the the tone from players I talk to outside of Vegas. When I used to say, you ever going to go play for my beloved Raiders? I can't repeat on air what the answer was. <laughs> when I say it now, it's like, oh man, I'd love to check Vegas out, right? Like, so the tone has changed around the league. The way that the fans get in the building is you go out and you put yourself in the Super Bowl conversation. There you go. Jason Fitz, you can just follow win, him. baby. That's right. Just I mean, go back to the original, right? Jason Fitz, you can follow mm -hmm. him on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it this week, at Jason Fitz. <laughs> Jason, we appreciate you being with us, man. We'll have you on again real soon. I appreciate it. Does it mean we no longer send tweets? We now send X's? I don't. X's. I, so I, I asked this question. I asked, do we call them X's? Do we call them Zweets? You know, because you could use an X as a Z. Zeets? Is it Zeets? Like nobody. Apparently, Elon Musk and all his knowledge and money has decided not to tell us any of that, just to put up a logo and call it what he wants to call it. I guess. I guess you could do that. I, when you have I more vote for Zeets. Zeets. I like Zeets. Zeets. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm stealing that from you. Good. There you go. I appreciate that. <laughs> Jason Fitz, thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, guys. All right, we're gonna take a break here on Silver and Black today. When we come back, it's time to roll on with the show. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast, also on the air on the bet in Las Vegas. Don't go anywhere. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. 
That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back. Silver and black today here on Odyssey. That's right. Whether you're listening to us on The Bet in Las Vegas or you're listening to us on our podcast, which you can, of course, get Silver and Black today several times a week. It is an Odyssey original podcast. Scott Colbranson, Mo Moten, we are your hosts through the show. Love us or hate us, we're not going anywhere. We're here. You can follow Mo. He is the senior NFL writer over at Bleacher Report, also the Raiders columnist at sportsnot.com. Follow him on X slash Twitter at Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully. And we're going to talk about fans this time. Now, Mo, Mo, we famously, and I say famously loosely, we famously say all the time on the show, we're not going to tell people how to fan, which this segment is not about that. But I wrote a piece up on Raider Ramble last week about the state of fandom, specifically with Raider Nation and across the NFL that I'm seeing, which is interesting. It seems to mimic, in my view, what we're seeing in the political landscape. You're right, they're wrong, and if you're wrong, not only are you wrong, but you're terrible, your whole family, your whole lineage is stupid, and you should just die. Like, that's, that's how bad it gets when we're talking. I, I know it's a social media-driven thing, too, so we'll get into that. But it's interesting because it's become just as polarized as politics. And what prompted this for me, Mo, was something you and I were talking about during the break, which is we had Ross Tucker, who is our NFL insider from Odyssey, played in the NFL for seven years, is calling games on CBS Sports, is called games in college, high school, you name it. The guy's seen more football than us combined, right? So anyway, so Ross was on. Ross said some things that people didn't agree with. And suddenly our show sucks. Ross is, has no, doesn't know what he's talking about, should not be on TV, all the, and it just blows my mind, not because you and I get hurt feelings over it or anything like that, but I'm just wondering, sports to me has always been the one escape. And yes, there's always been arguments in sports, right? If you're a Giants fan, you don't like Cowboy fans and vice versa and so on. You don't like the teams and you have that rivalry and all that. Rivalries have already always been there, so there's been that kind of argument. But it's so personal and so intense now, even amongst fan bases themselves. In Raider Nation, the Raider Nation on Raider Nation crime rate is through the <laughs> roof, okay? And I'm just trying to figure out what the hell is going on, Mo. Do you have any sort of take on why we are where we are? I think it, 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 it goes to, and I've said this a lot, that on social media the tone and tenor of your tweets of what you're saying gets lost because you don't know if a person is joking. You don't know if mm. a person is being serious. And I think sometimes when we're on social media, we assume that a person is being snarky with us. So we we're snarky right back because that's what social media is. Now it's just a lot of people, you know, just being obnoxious to each other. So I think that's part of it, but also you have to understand like politics, it's always, uh, uh it seems like, as you said, it's kind of like a, a right and wrong situation. There's no gray area. Two things cannot be true. Now we we just had Jason Fitz on just tell us like, yeah, Josh Jacobs deserves a new contract, but the Raiders are right for what they did because of what the market is and how they're structuring their football team. Both sides can be right. 
but on social media and some discussion circles, it's like, it's got to be one or the other. It's got to be black and white. It's got to be this side is right, this side is wrong. And the one side doesn't want to see the the points of the other side. They just mm -hmm. say, okay, my, my opinion is right. The other side of it, the other opinion is stupid, as you said, doesn't belong <laughs> in a conversation. We don't want to hear it. And I think that's the danger in our society today is that while we may have differing opinions, it's also good to at least listen. You don't have to agree with someone else's opinion, but to at least listen to their points. Because now it's like, we don't want to hear the other side. We don't want to hear the other points. We're just going to embrace and embrace and embrace and reaffirm our points and just move on. And I think that's dangerous because you don't learn that way. If yeah. you live in the bubble, and I say this all the time, echo chamber on, on Twitter or X, whatever it's called now. If you live in the echo chamber where only your opinions are validated and only opinions like yours are validated, you're not going to get the full scope of, of the world around you and just expanding your thought process because you're, you're just reaffirming what you already think. It, think about this. If you grew up just thinking what you think and didn't allow any outside opinions, you know, you would never evolve. And I think people just need to, politics and sports and any other debate topic, just at least hear the other side out. And I say yeah. this all the time on, on social media when I post a, a, an article up or a column, people disagree with me all the time and I still retweet them and I say, hey, thanks for at least hearing me out. And the people say, look, I don't agree with your point, but I respect the research sure. that you put into it. I'm fine with that. You don't have to agree with me. No, and it's, it's again, I... I life. I tell my kids this all the time. Life is not a popularity contest. I'm not going through life trying to get as many people to like me as possible. Yes, we want people to listen to the show, okay? And some people listen to the show, they love it. And some people listen to the show and they don't care for it. Some people don't care for me. Some people don't care for you. Probably more me than you. But and that's okay. I look. I don't. That it's totally fine. I run into people all the time. People say, hey, this is the greatest guy in the world. You got to meet this guy. And you meet him and you're like, nah, I could do without him, right? Everybody's got personal choice. Nothing wrong with that. But when you're talking about football, like it's just amazing because winning that argument is not going to do anything for you. It doesn't pay your bills, okay? It's not going to earn your way to the afterlife if you believe in one. It's not going to do any of that stuff. The second part of this I want to talk about, Mo, related to social media and fans, is what... Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal covers the Raiders there, um, wrote a piece that I really, really clicked with, which was about that fans have gotten too comfortable, way too comfortable, tagging players in tweets where they're hypercritical of them. I would also say it goes the other way with the love. Like there's people, it seems like they're almost stalking them. Um, but Adam wrote in, in the Review Journal about this, about the Josh Jacobs situation. So Josh Jacobs tweets. Now, Josh Jacobs brings a little bit on because he, he does subtweet and do these cryptic things. People are wondering what the heck's going on. But people will then tag players in their tweets, calling them all sorts of names, saying, get back to work. And, and Adam called them out and said, dude, what are you doing? And I agree with this. It's not the same. You can't tell me, well, they make millions of dollars so you can say whatever you want to them. You can if you're in the stands. You gotta, even if you're in the stands, you gotta look them in the face. Right, you're in person in front of them. This behind the keyboard, keyboard warrior stuff, like the player doesn't give a damn if you think he's selfish. He really doesn't. So why do it? It's an interesting phenomenon, but it seems to be growing. And I agree with Adam. If you haven't read it, go read it. But uh, Mo, what do you think? 
I think that that's never going away as long as you can be anonymous. And there are some fans who have or people who have their face up there on Twitter and will say some nasty things to you. As long as they're not face to face with you and they can be miles away or in a whole nother country, people just feel comfortable saying whatever they want to say on social media, knowing that there won't be any consequences for it. And that, right. again, that's not going anywhere. And that's just never going to stop. You're always going to see it. I've seen the tweets say, Josh Jacobs, just get back to work, do this, do that. They don't know the man's uh, life story. They don't know what he's got going on in his personal life. You don't know Josh Jacobs from a hole in the wall. You just see him play football, right? Mm -hmm. But they're going to have a strong opinion on it. And, and I've I've given up on the fight of saying, hey, let's wait till we have all the facts before we jump to conclusions. Because if you remember last week, there was a report that came out that said Josh Jacobs turned down $12 million a year. And a lot of fans are like, oh, how could you turn down $12 million with the way the running back market is? You're stupid for turning down $12 million. How dare you? You're greedy, blah, blah, blah. I saw the tweets to Josh Jacobs, direct tweets to him, telling him yeah. he's greedy. You need to get back. You should have took the money, blah, blah, blah. And I said, and I put out a tweet or an X that said, look, the report says that Josh Jacobs turned down $12 million, but we don't know how many years the Raiders offered on that deal. Was it a one-year $12 million deal? We don't know how much of that was guaranteed because I tell fans and people this all the time with contracts. You look at the headline numbers, but that's not everything. You got to look at the details. Yeah. Years on the contract. Guaranteed money is the big thing because as we know, all know, players can get cut at any time. So players are really looking for that guaranteed money. So we don't know if it was a $12 million deal, but it was only one year and the Raiders were offering like $6 million guaranteed. We don't yeah. know those details. So you really can't have a, I mean, you can't have a strong opinion, but you're not going to have the full details of the contract offer. You don't. And, and, but, but again, Adam's piece resonated with me, but it also raised another question that I have that you and I have talked about on the, off the air and, and we'll have to save for next off season. Cause it's, it's a little bit off the beaten path, <laughs> which is there is a generation uh, of younger journalists who seemingly wants to be friendly with the athletes they cover more friendly than we learn about in journalism school, at least we used to, which was the idea that you have to have some separation. There has to be that wall because you might have to talk about this guy, you know, doing something illegal, or you might have to talk about this guy not performing well. And so you have to be careful with the line you draw. And I think some journalists today are crossing over that, especially with in-house journalists, like, for example, you see at NFL Network. Not that there aren't great journalists there who do their job perfectly. I'm not saying that. But there is a little bit of a gray area now that feeds into this as well. So players sometimes get defended against the public criticism by people who are supposed to be covering them, which this is where the technology and the way things have changed, Mo, have led us. And again, I'm not criticizing anybody in particular here. But these are some bigger questions as we move forward with the way journalism and content creation is going. We should probably have some discussion around. All right. I'm not going to get on my soapbox about this because we don't have enough time for it. Yeah. But what I will say is that it's all about access now, Scott. You know, journalists also have their own True. podcast that they want. They want they they want downloads, they want listens, they want social media clicks and likes and retweets. So if you're nice to that player, he'll give you access to give you an interview, and you'll get those likes and retweets on social on on Twitter or X. You'll get that podcast interview that everyone's going to download and listen to now. So there's more skin in the game for the for the journalists to have their own independent success outside of if they're working for a big network or platform. So there's that aspect to it. The social media aspect does play into you know just getting that access and getting that adulation from the fans. Yes. 
well put. But again, we'll save that. We already have our first one of our first shows for next off season, but we got a long season ahead of us, including on Thursday. We're going to take a look, a deeper look on Jimmy G as well, and uh, the latest news coming out of camp, as well as your mail. Mo, what do you got coming up this week that people need to watch for on Bleacher Report? I know you got a live coming up, as well as also um, some stuff on Sports Not. The live is coming up along with the Raiders' first preseason game. I believe that's August thirteenth. Uh, they're gonna have they're gonna be in the primetime slot, a standalone game with the 49ers, I believe it is. I'll be doing a watch along, so I'll be live during the game, live comments, live action. Of course, we're not gonna see a lot of the stars, but I think it's interesting to get some of the early ticks on with guys getting on the field finally. As far as the immediate things are concerned, anything that happens at training camp, as far as the Raiders are concerned. I'm going to be covering that Bleacher Report because I do these Bleacher Report training camp notebooks where I just track the most important news going on across training camps. Last week, the big news, the big Raider news was Jimmy G uh, having a rest day, which we talked about in the first segment. Some fans freaked out, and I wrote in a notebook that as Vinny Bonsignor and Tashawn Reed, the athletic, Vinny Bonsignor, the uh, Las Vegas View Journal said, these were planned days. Calm down, relax, take a deep breath. <laughs> I know we're skeptical about Jimmy Gina's injury history, but this wasn't some, oh, he re-injured his foot, his foot is sore. These were planned rest days, and I wrote that in a notebook to say, hey, let's just calm down a little bit. Yes. All right. All right. Check <laughs> out all that stuff. Make sure you follow Mo and his Zeets. We agreed, right, with Fitz. We're, call, we're all calling we're him Zeets. Fitz. Uh, at Mo Moten. Uh, I am at LV Gully. The show is SNB Today. Make sure you subscribe to the show. By the way, coming up on Thursday, you want to talk about a jam-packed show. Hold on to your hats. So we have Jose Sanchez, right, coming to cover. He covers the 49ers for Sports Illustrated. They're all fans, uh, a nation, all nations over there covering the 49ers. He's going to come on and talk about Jimmy G. And we have a new guest. Actually, he's not a new guest, but he's a guest you guys like. Brian Baldinger is going to join us as well on Thursday. So we got a double stack show. Mo, take your vitamins, get your sleep. Uh, Thursday is going to be a busy one. Yeah, heavy hitting show. I know a lot of fans loved uh, Baldy when he came on the other two times. Jose is a good friend of mine. We should have actually had him on early in the offseason to talk, Jimmy yeah. G, once they signed him. Because as you said, he he's on the ground. He's He covers the team day to day. So if anybody knows Jimmy G, his strengths and his weaknesses, it's Jose. Absolutely. All right, Mo, we will see you on Thursday, my friend. Sounds good. All right, don't forget, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just hit the subscribe button. Hit on the auto download. That way you get a new show every time it pops up. Also, thanks to our producer, Mike Robier. And for all of us here at Silver and Black today, I'm Scott Branson from Omoten. Have a great rest of your midweek. We will talk to you on Thursday again. Jose Sanchez, talk about Jimmy G. And Baldy's back to talk about the Raiders and talk about NFL training camp. This has been Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Take care, everybody.